Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Legacy Heating and Air Game Day, only on the home of Notre Dame football. Sports Radio 960 WSBT and WSBTRadio.com. Presented by Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Also brought to you by First State Bank, Martin Supermarkets, Gate Chevrolet in South Bend, and Gate Chevy World in Mishawaka. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, Centier Bank, Weaver Heating and Cooling, Pet Refuge, Sherwood Tire, Floor Coverings International, and Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger. Y'all ready for this? We're back. We're ready again. The boys are back in town. We're ready to roll as your 5-1 Fighting Irish take on the 5-0 Cardinals of Louisville. It's another undefeated team and another night game. Can the Irish rise again for another challenge this week to get them ready for what happens next week, which is another night game, and we hope another undefeated team as the dreaded Trojans of USC arrive at Notre Dame. And but another top 10. What's that? Another top 10 matchup. You're right. You're absolutely right. But let's not get the cart before the horse and no. Reeling it in. Reeling it right, in. That's right. Especially that USC horse. I hate that horse jumping around all the time. I'm glad we're not out there. Anyway, uh, let's put on the brakes. Let's not get that horse. Like I said, the cart before the horse. It's going to be a challenging contest today in a hostile environment. Will memorable plays occur again that added to the mystique and lore of the Irish last week? Well, we're going to talk about some of those past Notre Dame memorable moments, plus discuss this year's team with former fighting Irish players, Oscar McBride, Steve Berline, Frank Stams, and Trevor Rulin. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show. I'm your host, Tim Growl. I'm along with my co-host, Jim Arizari, and Matt Embry's here in the studio keeping us safe and sound. Yes. But we're always safe and sound in the head, right? Sure. Okay. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Let's so, go man, with that. I love talking to you after a week that you do the official Notre Dame post-game show when it was a good a good thing. So what, what, what was Rebbe, uh, Reggie's vibes? Was he doubting it at any time? Uh, I think we both were. And then, you know, uh, Sam Hartman converts the, the, the fourth and long. And then Estime goes up the middle and runs over everybody and, and, and takes it to the house. And for the second week in a row, about a minute and a half before you know the post-game show starts... I completely have to change the vibe, and it's. But you're professional. Yeah, you I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pro. You know, just kind of take it as 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 it comes to us. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we were we were both just like, wow. Probably the exact opposite of what we were the week before. Sure, sure. You know, we were both just, you know, again the first ten minutes, just like, oh, did that really happen? Yeah. So. You know. Well, they got some things to you know work on this week. Twelve penalties again. It's yeah, yeah, unconscionable that, uh, that you can have that. This in, the, and we we're just talking. We're already halfway over the season, and they're still getting like twelve penalties a game. That's going to bite them somewhere along the way if they don't oh, clean absolutely. that up. Yeah, I mean, it almost bit them last week. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I, the one thing I never understand procedures, I can somewhat understand in a, in a, in an environment, maybe you got to go to a hand clap, you know, silent count or whatever. I don't understand when players line up on defense offside. Can't you look down I, the line and see I, where you're at? I, I, maybe that, it's not that simple. I don't know. I think it is. Yeah, okay. I, th- I, I, I think, I think you are making it just as simple as it needs to be. Just All look right. down the line. Well, we're going to talk to some people today so. about that. We're going to ask them some, some of the questions. And uh, let's get with our first one. And uh, he's kind enough to join us. And I'm, I'm pretty sure about um, he's still in California. Would that be Oscar McBride in California? Yes, indeed. How are you guys doing? We're doing Hi, great. Oscar. So, yeah, it's still morning out there. I got you and then I got Steve Berline right after you. You guys got to get up early for us. Clear that throat out and have your coffee. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I, I'm a high school football coach, so I was up uh, at around 6 o'clock this morning, got in at 7, watched a little film, uh, got the team flushed and lifted and fed them breakfast, and then we uh, we watched film. We usually finish it about this time, so the kids are done, and now it's up to the coaches to game plan for the next game next week. So, How'd you do you last night? Your, you uh, big win for us. Uh, second league win. Uh, we beat up on them pretty good, 52-17. to 17. Mm. Um, Passed for about 270 and rushed for about 225. So wow. it, was, it was a good night. good night for the Rams, yeah. Good Co- night for Coach the Rams. Holtz will be proud of that balance. He, he would be, and he would be really happy that I had a freshman running back that rushed for over 160 yards. So, um, wow. Yeah, he, he's a He's a dude. He's got great grades. I'm trying to get him on Coach Freeman's radar. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> So, Oscar, how much do you like being a, a high school football coach? I can hear it in your voice, but you know tell everybody. You know what? I, I tell you what. Um, you never could have told me when I was at Notre Dame or, um, you know, going through my own journey that that's something I wanted to do. Um, but I, I tell you what, um, it keeps me young. It kind of keeps me on my toes. It keeps me engaged. And I tell people all the time, the older I get, the more I sound like Coach Holtz, minus the list. Minus the list, but the older I get, the more I sound like Coach Holtz. It just reminds me of how much, you know, he poured into us, you know, during our time there, and just kind of want to pay that for it. Matter of fact, um, our uh, one of the tenants in our, our program is the old trust, love, commitment, um, and we, we're really big on that, you know. And we we say, you know, you need a little TLC, a little trust, love, and commitment, and that was what Coach Holtz drilled into us. And uh, as I said to him uh, a few weeks ago, probably been a little over a month now when he and, and myself, uh, we texted and we had a chance to sit down at the Holtz's Heroes event um, a couple weekends ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just said, hey, coach, I know you don't know these kids, but your legacy is still impacting them but through me. So that's kind of why I do it. I love it. It's obviously not for the money. You know, we're in a public school, um, public school system and, you know, public school coaches make stipends that are, you know, basically enough for gas here in California. So um, it's just a, it's a labor of love. It's, it's something I enjoy and, you know, kind of keeps me, uh, still keeps football in my life. So I love doing that. Have you, fi- have you figured out uh, some, uh, some instances or had some instances anyway, anyway that uh, made you go, oh, that's why coach reacted like that in practice? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, as I said, the older I get, the more I sound like them. So I'm pretty sure. You know, yes, I'm we'll just sure check that off as a yes. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a resounding yes. Man. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. 
We're talking with former Notre Dame tight end uh, Oscar McBride. So I'm interested. So you never saw yourself doing this. So what was the event or the catalyst that made you decide to do it? Sure. Uh, the market crash. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, just as succinct as you could possibly be. Right, <laughs> no, no, no trick questions, right? Right. I, I was, a, I was an investment banker uh, doing residential lending. I was a senior vice president of a company doing extremely well, um, and you know, finished work one night, and you know, came in the next morning at six o'clock, and everything was different, and you know, company closed probably three weeks later. And I took a little time off to, you know, kind of regroup. And I got a phone call from a family friend. It was like, hey, the local, you know, private Catholic high school is looking for a freshman head coach. I'm like, well, shoot, I can coach. Um, and I started to think, you know, the market will come and go, you know, but, but football is forever. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, to, to be honest, I, I, I needed to heal from, you know, if you've ever seen the movie Too Big to Fail, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which mm-hmm. talks about Lehman Brothers and the, and the crash. That That's exactly what happened. You know, I'm on the phone with the banks like, hey, something's wrong with your rate sheet. And they're like, uh, no, that's the price. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, right. it was at 106 Jeez. yesterday, and now we're, you're trading at 97? What, what happened to the other eight points? You know, so it, it was really traumatic and, and a lot of life changes. Um, and football just kind of righted the ship, and, and I you know, basically fell in love again. Uh, with the game and, and what it teaches. And, um, you know, for high school kids, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, why aren't you coaching in college? You know, why aren't you coaching on Sundays? You know, you've got the pedigree and blah, blah, blah. To be honest, I think that this this age, the high school age, from from freshman to senior, is probably the most impactful age for coaches. Um, and, and to be honest, guys, I don't want to deal – with somebody else's, you know, lack of understanding mm-hmm. of what their responsibilities and obligations are as a coach. So I would rather send a kid to college than, you know, go out and try to get kids and figure out what, you know, what their character's like and, you know, what, you know, what are their, what's their aptitude, you know, what's their academics like. You know, I would rather have a program where those things are staples so that when college recruiters come to me, I can speak confidently and say, yes, this is a guy that's great for your locker room. Yes, this guy's going to get done in the classroom. Yes, this guy's going to bust his hind parts to, to be where he's supposed to be and do the things that you want in your program. So um, super excited to be where I'm at. And, and i got to be honest with you guys, Coach Holtz is the reason I'm here. Um, I wasn't going to take this job. <laughs> I wasn't going to take this job. Um Coach Holtz uh, was a big part of that decision. I was wondering if you would have um, called him for some consultation. I did. Okay. I did. And matter of fact, when I was back for the Holtz's Heroes event a couple of weekends ago, uh, we got a chance to sit down and talk a little football. Um, and it was great. You know, he was asking me all kinds of questions. How's your offensive line? You know, <laughs> do you have a quarterback? <laughs> you know, how's your defense? And I'm like, we're solid, Coach. And we got <laughs> You know, we we haven't won a game yet. You know, at that point, we hadn't won a game yet, and we were we're zero and five, right, in our preseason because I scheduled, you know, a couple of leagues higher, a couple of divisions higher, so that we would have that struggle in the preseason to, to test our character and make sense and to see where we were. Um, and we had a chance in a couple of those games. We just, you know, are still growing. It's my second year here, taking over a, 
a program that was 0-16 when I got here. Um, last year, we were lucky enough to win the league championship, sharing the league championship, the first league championship in football in school's history. And this year, we're trying to repeat and win it outright. So um, going back to taking the job, uh, the athletic director called me randomly. Hey, I want you to come be my head coach. I'm like, what? I'm not driving to Marietta. I live in Orange County, man. Life is good. Like, <laughs> There's no way. This is 50 miles away. Um, and the AD, God bless him, you know, John Broussard, he, uh, dude was calling me like I owed him money, man. It was, it was like, uh, you know, he's like a collection agency. He called me probably six, seven times a day. And I ended up coming out. My wife and I came out and, uh, you know, they did the tour and I met the principal and the vice principal and, you know, they're touring us around the campus here. If you guys get a chance to Google Marietta Mesa high school in Marietta, California, our campus Beautiful. is absolutely stunning. It's stunning. Um, so I'm leaving, you know, after this whole, they put on the dog and pony. I'm sitting in the car at the stoplight at the school with my wife. And I'm still, you know, you know, bound and determined. I'm not, this isn't a thing for me. I'm not going to do it. My wife, who's also a Notre Dame alum, says, I love you, but you're a dumbass if you don't take this job. <laughs> Like, you know, that's a, that's a not maybe the phrase at the end, but the phrase at the beginning. I'm all too familiar, and most husbands yep. are. Yep. <laughs> you know, exactly right. So I'm like, "Well, love you too, babe." You know, yeah. um, <laughs> and and I'm like, "No, this is too far. We have to move. I'm not doing that." And you know, God bless her. She says, "Call Coach Holtz." And you know, Coach Holtz, when I came up on my recruiting trip in 1989, he said, "If you give me four years, I'll give you 40." And right now I'm on I'm on 34, so he's on there the hook for six more years. There you go. Um, I called him, and he walked me through the process. And uh, here I am today as a <clears throat> as a league champion coach and trying to repeat uh, for a second league championship in my second year. So um, all all thanks to Coach Holtz um, for for pulling me out of a little town in North Central Florida in 1989 with three stoplights and and a dead end life. So um, coaches can can definitely change your life and that's that's kind of why i do what i do he's awesome mcbride i'm tim growl along with jim arizari we're to the 1993 indy fsu game of the century tight end oster mcbride but before we get to that were you aware of the illustrious tight end history at notre dame before you came along mike creamy mike creamy dave casper robin weber mark bavaro Derek brown did, were you aware of that, or did you have to do a little, you know, some research on that? Because that, that's that's a lot I, of pressure to step into that position. I had no idea. I had no idea. Um, I didn't even know where Notre Dame was. You know? <laughs> um, You're not like you know, uh, Chris Zorch yeah. thought it was over in Paris, right? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I, I honestly, um, I'm I'm a Florida boy, born and raised in the SEC. Um, I'm I'm literally from the swamp. Um, so, you know, every, every Saturday morning I was watching Auburn and Georgia and Florida and Alabama. And, you know, um, I thought I was going to be a Seminole, you know, I was raised a Seminole fan, hated the Gators. Um, so I thought I was going to go play for Bobby Bowden. And, uh, when I got to Notre Dame, I got a chance to meet this guy named Irv Smith and, uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Irv uh, completely changed my mindset, you know, flipped me from Florida State to Notre Dame. And I was there. My recruiting trip had a lot of star-studded guys. Um, 
Tim Ruddy, who's a big 33 guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oliver Gibson, who was USA Today Defensive Player of the Year for 1990. Uh, John Covington out of Winter Haven. Um, Jerome Bettis, obviously from uh, McKenzie in Detroit. And uh, we were all on the same trip. And it wasn't uh, banquet weekend. I had a basketball game, so I wasn't able to come banquet weekend. Um, so we all came up the next weekend, and it was Jerome who actually uh, we kind of had a, a little meeting, a little round table at the Jameson. And Jerome was like, "Hey, I like you guys. You guys are pretty cool. You know, if you if you guys come, I'll come." Well, you know, I didn't know Jerome Bettis was Jerome Bettis. I'm like, "Okay, well, sweet, I'm in. I won't go to Florida State." And Cub was like, "Well, I won't go to Florida." And Tim Ruddy was like, "Well, I won't go to Penn State." And Oliver's like, okay, I won't go to Illinois. Wow. And uh, we all ended up uh, in South Bend, and I think it worked out for us pretty well. Thanks, Jerome. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks, thanks, JB. I appreciate it, brother. So when you're watching <laughs> the game, are all of you on the same text chain? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew that. Absolutely. I love these Absolutely. chains that players tell us about all oh, the time okay. about, you know what. <laughs> oh, my God. You, got, you guys would love the content. You guys would absolutely love the content. <laughs> well, I've been told though, if you if you go to the bathroom, you, you're like four pages behind on text while you're gone. Oh, there's gonna you go to the bathroom, you're gonna miss like forty. <laughs> you know, like, like it, 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 it is amazing because I'm on like three of them. So there's like three different ones. Like so, obviously the ones that predate me. So that's the one with like you know Steve Berline, Chuck Lanza, Mike Brennan, um, got um, there's just so many guys that. You know, Reggie Ho, uh, all these guys that predated me, um, even, you know, Joel Williams, um, Rob Banks, you know, all these guys that I've got a chance to know and meet, you know, over the last year um, who are phenomenal guys and freaking hilarious, you know, in their commentary. And then you got my class, you know, with Aaron Taylor and B.Y. and Lake Dawson and Clint Johnson and Dean Lytle and. Brian Hamilton and Jeff Burris and, you know, you got that group. And then you got the big group that's got, you know, Bertrand Berry and Randy Kinder and Emmett Mosley and Reggie Farima. And, you know, I got three different Notre Dame group <laughs> chats going. And it is so funny. I'm sitting there watching the game and I'm just cracking up laughing. And my wife is like, are they at it again? I'm like, yep, they sure are. It's it's great. And don't get me wrong, I chime in too. It's actually pretty funny. It's it's, it's phenomenal content. Phenomenal content. I think someone should write a book about you know Notre Dame text feeds during the game. It's it's hilarious. I think that I really would. That would be that would be a, probably a really big seller. <laughs> big seller. <laughs> hey, um, time always goes so fast. We got about three or four minutes, so I'm going to bypass the '93 sure. game to get your take on this year's crops of tight ends with the Irish that have just broken out. Uh, Mitchell uh, uh-huh. Evans and Holden Stasis. Uh, right? Holden Stays. And, yep. uh, yeah. and then we got, I think, Reardon's going to be back Reardon's available back tonight. tonight. Yeah. But uh, did you yeah. see that volleyball catch that uh, Mitchell Evans made last week? i tell you what, Mitchell Evans, in my opinion, is before he leaves Notre Dame, is going to win the Mackey. I think that kid um, has a great feel. Um, for finding the open seams and open holes in the defense. He's got soft hands, phenomenal concentration and body control for a man his size. Um, you know, our tight end room has always been pretty stacked. You know, going back to my time there with, you know, you know Derek Brown and Irvin myself, and then, you know, then after me, you know, Pete Kriplevich and Leon Wallace. 
Um, you know, just there's always been uh, a guy that, that can run and catch and block. And, um, you know, these guys are, you know, when you have a Sam Hartman, um, who's, who's clearly the general uh, on the field and then the leader of the team, um, you know, great things are going to happen. So I'm super excited, you know, it, with, you know, with number seven back there in the backfield, uh, kind of reminds me of, you know, having that imminent threat, you know, but Jerome Bettis or Reggie Brooks or Randy Kinder or Lee Beckton or Ray Zellers, mm-hmm. you know, during my time, um, you have to honor that. And if you don't honor that, you're going to be in trouble, you know, just ask Duke. Um, but our, our tight ends are phenomenal. We're, we're, in, we're in a good spot, fellas. We're in a really good spot. You know, uh, it makes you think about Michael Mayer, Michael Mayer, but Mitchell yeah. Evans had more yardage. Michael Mayer never had a game with that kind of yardage. I, right. I was surprised when I yeah. saw that stat. He, he uh-huh. oh, yeah. it almost makes you forget about him. You don't want to, but it's like, oh, wow, <laughs> next guy up, right? Next guy's got to take forward. Well, and that's the great thing about Notre Dame if you're a tight end, you know. Um, regardless of, you know, <laughs> taking nothing away, you know, from uh, the tight end of Georgia. I don't want to say his name, but everybody's talking about I mean, he is a phenomenal <laughs> He's a phenomenal talent. Like there, there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at just the the perennial number of tight ends coming into Notre Dame and going out, you know, you got Rudy, you know, you got Tyler, you know, you got, you know, obviously Michael Mayer. Um, I got, I'm forgetting one. Uh, Zach Carolina. Um, uh, he's like an H back. Oh, uh, Tremble. God, how could I forget him? Tommy? He was my favorite. Tommy <laughs> yeah. Trumbull's a dude, man. Yeah. He was a dude. I, I think it was a travesty that we didn't use him more when he was at Notre Dame. He was a legitimate weapon to run, catch, and was just a fierce blocker. Um, he was so good at blocking, I, that's I, what they used him mostly for, unfortunately. Right, exactly. But here's a guy that runs 4'6 at 240 pounds yeah. and, blocks, and blocks like George Kittle. Like, hello, get him the rock. You know, reward him for his effort. So, um, you know, we're, we're – in we're for, for sure tight in you. There's no doubt about it in my mind. I and mean, yeah, there are some programs that have good tight ends, but when you look at how we just reload um, and there's no drop off, you know, um, I don't think any program in the country can say for the last 30 years, we've had a dominant tight end. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what we can say with, with confidence that we've had a great tight end consistently for the last 30 years in a row. There's no question. So, Oscar McBride, uh, one short answer to the question. Do you wish they would have used you as a running back at certain times? Would you have enjoyed that? Give you the no. rock. Did you no. say You said no? <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, I don't know. You know, that's, that's, kind, of, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a crazy question. I know we're out of time. But, you know, with Coach Moore coaching the offensive line, yeah. But the taking the pounding that running backs take, in my mind, you know, the guys that are behind the offensive line are the toughest guys on the field. Um, you have the ball every play. Quarterbacks touch the ball every play. Running back touches the ball quite a bit. And everybody in the stadium hates you because of the position you play. <laughs> um, so, nah, I don't think I'm tough enough to do that. Uh... <laughs> hey, I, I'm going to maybe try to get with you for the Stanford game, which is another two to four show, so we can talk some more, talk more about the game of the century and memories like that. If you have a chance, I'll sure. reach out to you and we'll see. <laughs> All right. I I love that guys. I appreciate the time and uh as always go Irish. Yeah, what what's your what's your uh, moniker there for your team? 
Trust, love, commitment. In the, instead of fighting Irish, what are you? We're, we're the Rams. The Rams. Okay. okay, go Rams. Go Rams. Go Rams. Go All right. Rams. Thanks a lot, Oscar. All right, guys. Have a good day. Take you care. Too. That's Oscar McBride in the 1993 Notre Dame FSU game of the century tight end. But obviously, from that interview, a lot more than that. And it's always enjoyable to talk to Lou yeah. Holtz players, man. They're high degree, high degree. Hey, we're going to come back with another great player, and that would be former Notre Dame and NFL quarterback Steve Berline on the Legacy Heat and Air Game Day show on your home for the Fighting Irish, 960 AM WSPT. Searching for you in the cold Kentucky rain. <laughs> Got to at least have one state song in there, you know, Kentucky there rain, a, Elvis. Uh, is there a song about bourbon? Oh, I looked for that, believe okay. me. Okay, all right. <laughs> While I was drinking bourbon, I looked for a song saying bourbon, but couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. Makes, makes sense. <clears throat> this is, a, excuse me, this is the Legacy Heat and Air Game Day show on 960 WSBT. A reminder, if you have to leave the radio, we are streamed at WSBTradio.com. We are free on the WSBT radio app. And our ugly faces are also on Twitch right now from the WSBT studios. You'll like it next week because no Twitch, but you can come see us live next week. Audio, at least, on Twitch. There you go. So we'll have that. You can see the ugliness up front. Uh, no comment. <laughs> uh, let's bring uh, something. I, I was just speechless with that comment. I can't say anything else. So here's a guy. No, he's not lost for words. Uh, been commentating for a long time. I'm going to find out what's going on, if anything, with that right now. But everybody knows him as a former Notre Dame and NFL uh, quarterback, and that would be Steve Berline. Hey, it's still morning out there, Steve? It, it is technically still morning out here on the West Coast, yeah, about okay. 11.30. Are so, you an early riser by nature? You know, in general, I am. Uh, this morning, I gave myself a little a little bit more of a, a break and slept in until about 9, so uh, I, feel, I feel like I deserved it. You were getting ready for the show. You knew what the, what rigorous yeah. rigorous questions you were going to have, so you had to have a little extra energy, right? <laughs> well, I actually went out to Korean barbecue last night and did it a little bit too 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 well. Oh. And, uh, so I decided to give myself a little break and rest it, you know, sleep it off a little bit more this morning. So I always want to uh, remind people that you're the only person in 51 years of game day being on air that was never that was interviewed from a ship. In Los An- outside of Los Angeles, do you remember that a few years back? I do. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> I, I was off the coast of Laguna Beach uh, on a fish on a on a charity fishing trip, uh, which was was awesome. But I can picture it very clearly. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, that was that back. was so nice <laughs> of you to take the time to do that. You know, sometimes I can't make a phone call. You know, in town two two miles away, but yeah, right. we can talk to him all the way off. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Steve. Um, That's right. Yeah. Uh, it was noted that Steve Hartman sought out a lot of, or, I'm sorry, Sam Hartman sought out a lot of former Notre Dame quarterbacks to get their feel of what it meant to be a Notre Dame quarterback. Were you one of those? You know, I had the opportunity to speak to Sam, um, you know, personally about, that was probably, I guess, probably two months before the season started. would have been, you know, back in. Uh, Shoot, it was when Mike Golick had his tournament out there. Oh, yeah, sure, the golf tournament, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his golf tournament for the Golick Family Foundation. And, and uh, a lot of the current players and, and Marcus Freeman and uh, several others came over and attended one of the evenings. And uh, I did get to have a, a really nice 
I don't know, 15-, 20-minute talk with Sam and uh, was super impressed. And, um, yeah, we did talk a lot about what it means to be a Notre Dame quarterback. And um, I think at that point he had, you know, already started to understand it, but obviously not quite to the level that he understands it now, now that the season's going and he's wearing that helmet and, and um, you know, all the things that go along with it. So, uh, obviously, his maturity, his experience prepared him very well for it. And, you know, my only uh, complaint is that I think they need to let him they need to let him do a little bit more. Um, I think that he's been to this point, um, uh, uh, you know, kind of had some shackles on him a little bit mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, when you got a guy with that kind of experience who has not thrown an interception this year um, – you know, I think you need to be a little bit more aggressive and take some shots instead of, yes. you know, playing it quite as conservatively yeah, as they have in, in most cases. And I thought we were going to see more of that because in the first couple of games he did air it out. And, but then all yeah. of a sudden, um, Ohio State and then also last week's game, they kind of put the shackles on him, I thought, too, a, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know whether it's him not pulling the trigger or, or um, you know, the coaches being more conservative in their game planning. But I, I really thought that, I was at the Ohio State game, and I, I really felt that had we been more aggressive offensively, we would have controlled that game um, from start to finish. I really thought we were the better team, uh, but we we were not uh, attacking enough offensively. And in big games, especially in big games, you cannot be afraid to take chances and take some shots. And I just didn't see enough of that, and I think that's what kind of held us back in that football game. Yeah, you're you're right. There was no knockout punch being even attempted. No, we were running the ball very well. We, yeah. were, we were more physical than Ohio State. We were able to, you know, control the line of scrimmage. I I don't recall seeing one true play action pass. Saw a couple of couple of times where they you know faked the run and moved the pocket like a little bootleg type of thing, mm-hmm. but no real attempts to to on first or second down to give a hard run fake and then take a shot down the field, see if somebody can make a play. And I think the opportunities were there. And those are the kind of plays you have to make to win a big football game. That's for sure. That's for sure. As a, it's really unmeasurable what playing five years can do for your experience. But if you had, you played four years quarterback at Notre Dame, if they would allowed you a fifth year, would you even have considered going to play somewhere else? Well, no, what I was <laughs> What, and Lou Holtz and I uh, ran into each other last week, or at the Ohio State game. I keep in Holtz touch with heroes. him yeah. pretty regularly. And he, he, he told the story, and I have often told it, that uh, you know I would have killed to have one more year with him. I, mm. you know, I started as sure. a true freshman, as you guys know. And then um, you know, my junior year, I should have been redshirted. I played my junior year with a shoulder injury that um, I really was not able to play. And it ended up you know killing the team. It ended up almost ruining my football career. Sure did. Uh, but Jerry Faust, you know, made me play through that. And had I had that extra year, I would have had a second year with Lou Holtz. And, you know, Lou's mentioned many times that he feels like we would have won that national championship that second year um, if I would have had a, a ch- an extra year to come back. So uh, I would have killed for it. Uh, I don't know anything about whether I would have – I would have probably never left Notre Dame to go into the transfer portal. I would have, I would have considered myself – uh, very lucky to be right where I was and probably would have stayed right there. We're with uh, former Notre Dame and NFL quarterback Steve Berline on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. Who was your go-to receiver at Notre Dame? You know, there's a lot of people on that on your roster, man, full of, of yeah. different you know stars yeah. and stuff, but did well, you have there, a go-to? There was a young man, 
There was a young man by the name of Tim Brown that uh, <laughs> that was uh, my go-to guy. Uh, he was one year behind me, and um, you know we didn't use him appropriately um, his first two years before Lou got there, and uh, Lou couldn't figure it out. And, and Tim tell, does a great job telling the story about how Lou truly believed that there was uh, something that that uh, people were not telling him that Tim Brown had some kind of skeletons in the closet that uh, had prevented him from being able to show what, what he could do as a freshman and a sophomore. And uh, Lou saw it immediately in, in uh, my senior year, Tim's junior year. Um, Lou's primary focus offensively was for us to try to figure out ways to get the ball to Tim Brown. And uh, we did a great job of it. He really, his stats were better his junior year than they were his senior year. Um, and, uh, you know, he really established himself as the, the front runner for the Heisman Trophy. And, of course, we know he brought it home uh, as a senior. So uh, he was my go-to guy. But I had a lot of other really good players as well around us. You know, I got to throw to Mark Bavaro uh, for a couple years at the tight end. And, I was just going to bring um, that up. Yeah, you know, quite a guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And, you know, that, that shows how far back the, the lineage goes for, especially for tight ends uh, at Notre Dame. Notre Dame has always been able to produce top-notch tight ends and guys that go on to have successful pro careers. Did, um, did it impact or influence any of the strategy when you had one of the best kickers in the country and John Carney, you know, say you were, you know, at the, at the 35 or 40 that you maybe you took an extra chance to go to for a play knowing that if you didn't make it, you had this great kicker out there. Well, you know, believe it or not, uh, you're bringing up some, some hot buttons here. Uh, you know, John, uh, obviously one of the greatest kickers in the history of the NFL. Um, and I, a good friend and, and had a great career at Notre Dame, but, uh, if you go back and look at the, the games that we lost in 1986, um, the, including the opening game against Michigan, uh, where we did not punt once the whole game. This is against Jim Harbaugh, Bo Beckler, that whole group. They were rated, I think, third in the country. It was a Lou Holtz's first game. Uh, we lost that game by one point, and we had so many things work against us in that game. We had three turnovers inside the 10-yard line. Uh, one of them was my fault. It was an interception, uh, two other fumbles. But but also in that game, we missed an extra point. John Carney did. And he missed a 35-yard field goal to win that game uh, mm. at, at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And and then we lost uh, at LSU. We lost uh, by one point. And the story goes, you know, he, he made about a 45-yard field goal, but uh, LSU lined up in the neutral zone. They blew the whistle, or they they entered the they encroached into the neutral zone prior to the snap. So we had to take the penalty. We moved it up five yards. He kicked it from the thirty yard line, so it was a forty yard kick, and he missed that one. So mm-hmm. we we lost that game by a point at LSU. So there were a lot of things that happened uh, that that senior, my senior year, John's senior year, that um, I think really probably made him a better kicker. He was a great kicker as it was, but. He went through a few tough times and difficulties as a senior, uh, but then went on, obviously, to play over 20 years in the NFL and, and uh, now regarded as one of the greatest kickers ever. So, um, you know, but it was there were some, some interesting losses that year under Lou Holtz, our first, our first season under Lou Holtz. So next, <clears throat> next week we've got the uh, dreaded Trojans coming in here. 
Um, you were 4-0 and against the Trojans, which, uh, according to my record-keeping, only uh, Ralph and I can't ever pronounce Ralph's last name. Guliami. Guliami, thank Gugliami. you. Thank you. That was the only other yeah. quarterback to do that. that that's got to be a, uh, better than a pat on the back, huh? Well, it made coming home easy all the time. I could always, I could always mm-hmm. get off the plane in Southern <laughs> California with my chin high. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I, I was, I was very proud of that. And, and that was one of my priorities. Obviously I didn't expect to go out and play as a true freshman. Uh, but the way things worked out, uh, Blair Keel was a senior and is a preseason all American, but, uh, just really had got off to a very, very poor start, um, to his senior year. And we lost a few games the next thing you know, I'm in there. And, um, you know, fortunately, we always found a way to get it done against USC, um, but as you guys know very well, it was a it was a very uh, difficult time in Notre Dame history in general. Um, with the three years under Jerry Faust, right. he had been there actually two years before me, but uh, his years there, and then the first year with Lou Holtz, you know, we didn't have a whole lot to celebrate, uh, but we we did celebrate every year, find a way to come away with the victory over USC. Um, but this is another one of those games next week, and we can't look past Louisville today, Absolutely. obviously. Right. But, but, but next week against USC, I think, is one of those games, too, where we, we are going to have to score points. Mm-hmm. And the only way that's going to happen is if we're aggressive, and people are scoring points against yes, USC. Yes, they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. And so we're going to have to let Sam Hartman uh, really, uh, you know, take off the, 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 you know, the restrictions, whatever – the handcuffs, whatever it might be, and let him go out and really just try to light up that scoreboard because we're going to need to do that to win that game. Well, you re- you lit up the scoreboard. Uh, this is Legacy Heat Air Game Day show where with former Notre Dame quarterback Steve Berline, who also led the NFL in passing in 1999 with over 4,400 yards via 343 completions. Pretty satisfying year, I would take, huh? Well, and that was back uh, when quarterbacks used to get hit, and that was all <laughs> when uh, when it was hard to throw. No emotion there. Yards. No emotion there you know, at all. No, no, no commentary. No emotion at all. No. <laughs> you know, now nowadays, I mean, shoot, you know, uh, guys are throwing for three hundred. If they don't throw for three hundred yards every game, it's, right. uh, it's it's like a disappointment. And in the NFL, there's guys, um, you know, getting up near that five thousand mark every year. When I when I when I did that in 1999, threw for over 4,000 yards and and over 30 touchdowns. There was another guy that broke out that year as well by the name of Kurt Warner, mm. and uh, he he went on to win the NFL MVP and the Super Bowl MVP. But I led the NFL in passing. But we the two of us that year were the 11th and 12th guys in the history of the NFL to throw for over 4,000 yards and over 30 touchdowns. In the same season. Uh, in, in a season. Wow. And, and it, had, it only happened by 10 people prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, told, it tells you how difficult that was to do. Um, and you didn't see, I mean, the number back then for completions, the guys were, you know, the, you had to be above 55%. If you were up near 60% in your completions, that you were, you were uh, you know, that, that was very, very difficult to do because of the way the rules were and, because of the things that defenders could do to, to restrict and, and uh, you know, control wide receivers and tight ends. So it was, a, it was a much more difficult thing to do back then, um, especially when you combine it with the fact that uh, defensive players were, were coming after us, you know, trying to take our heads off, and it was legal back then. So right. 
Um, it was a different ball game. But to answer your question, yes, I was very proud of that. I was I was grateful that I got the opportunity, and uh, to this day, it, it it brings back great memories. Do you still have an affinity for the for the Panthers? Watching them, I do. Okay, I do. I, I really love Carolina in general. I, I loved my years in Charlotte, and uh, I really believe that eventually I'll be back out there uh, before it's all said and done. But uh, they were just such great years. Even though we we didn't have again a whole lot to show for it, uh, I got the opportunity to be the starting quarterback there for almost three full years, and and uh, put up some great numbers. Had some great great uh, wins and some great experiences and. Uh, that town really rallied around me, and I, I loved wearing the uniform. So uh, very positive memories with the Carolina Panthers, for sure. So what's going on these days? Uh, I know you were doing some uh, uh, color commentary for football games. Is that is that done now? You did that for quite a few years, actually. Yeah, I was with CBS for a long time uh, doing NFL in college. Um, I mainly was doing NFL on CBS um, for probably 16 years. Um started right when I retired after the 2003 season. Um, but about four or five years ago, they started phasing me out a little bit. So um, I got into the radio. I'm, I'm doing uh, radio games now for Compass Media Network. Okay. Um, I'm actually doing the, the Eagles at the Rams tomorrow. Um, so I've got a local game, which is nice. Don't have to get out on the road. Um, I'm excited about that. Um, and I'm also doing uh, a show on CBS Sports Network that I've been doing for about 12 years called NFL Monday Quarterback. And uh, uh, we've had, you know, it, it, it started out with Rich Rich Gannon, myself, and Phil Sims. Well, there's a trio. Uh, with a three court. Yeah, yeah. We did that for about five or six years. And then Phil got too busy, and we, uh, Thanks, we brought Phil. Trent Green in. So oh, well, there you Trent go. Trent <laughs> Green, Rich Gannon, and myself. Yeah. And uh, we've been doing it, you know, for 12 years now, and, and CBS Sports Network is, has kept that show going. So uh, I, we have a lot of fun doing that on Mondays during the NFL season. I'd love to see you guys sitting at a table having a beer together after a show like that and just the stories the three of you yeah, guys right. can tell. There's some stories, no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> there are some stories. All right, so tonight, Louisville, another undefeated team, another night game. How often did you guys play night games when you were at Notre Dame? Remember? Well, not very often at all. Um, the, in fact, uh, the Penn State game in 1986, I think, they, was the first game that they brought in the. They brought in the portable yeah. Mus- Musco lights or whatever they yeah. were called. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that was the year Penn State won the national championship, and we actually—that's uh, another game that year. We we uh, we were down four points, I think. I had thrown for like 330 yards or something, and, and Tim Brown had a big night. And we were down by four with about a minute to go in the game. We drove down the field, uh, got it to first and goal at the seven-yard line. Um, long story short, um, you know, I, I hit our tight end in the back of the end zone uh, with a touchdown pass to win the game. Um, he was wide open, uncovered, and uh, the ball bounced off his chest and. We end up mm. losing that game. Penn oh. State goes on to win the national championship. Oh. So that tells you how close we were to being a great football team. You know, with games like that against Michigan and LSU and Penn State and you're in you every, know, you beating were, USC. Yeah, you were in every game yeah. that season. I mean, the, the, we really were. Yeah. We really were. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you got to figure out how to close them out. We just didn't quite know how to do that. Right. Well, 
Hopefully Notre Dame can figure out to close out Louisville. Like I said, another undefeated team, another night game. Yeah. And uh, this is the – what is this? Every team we've played this year, I think, has been undefeated at one point or another. At one point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, then, um, and then also well. <laughs> this is the third or four night games in a row. I mean, that's just got to be taxing also. Well, you know, it, it's, I think the, the players probably love it because, you know, it's, uh, it's on at night for a reason. It's prime time. Yeah, you get a chance to go out and show show off a little bit. Um, you know, Notre Dame obviously is always playing on national television, but the night games seem to get a little bit more attention, and I think that's one of the reasons why why you know guys come to Notre Dame to be in those situations. And I'm sure they'll have fun with it. We've got to get after these guys early, got to get them down. And you know, I don't think that that Louisville truly uh, is a team that can play with Notre Dame unless we let them. And uh, right. um, unless we're not really ready to play and, and, and uh, you know get after him from the opening opening uh, uh, you know moments of the game, so I expect that we'll take control of this game early and and try to make a statement going into USC next week. I wanted to ask you about, but we're out of time or whatever. The quarterback we're facing tonight. This is the third time they faced him on three different teams. That, that that's that's just not right. I, I'm not a big transfer portal. That, all these stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I had no idea. I did yeah. not know that. But that really does sum it up. I mean, it, it really is terrible. We don't have time to get into it, but what's happened to college football with all this all this transfer portal and the conferences and, you know, just how the NIL and, and all the stuff that's going on, it's really it's a different game. And, uh, you know, we can get into that some other time maybe. But I, I really don't like where it's heading because there's just so many, so many um, uh, problems, I think, that are, have resulted from it. Sure have, sure have. We certainly enjoy every time speaking to you, and Owen, thanks again for uh, uh, doing this uh, morning broadcast and stuff, and we'll catch up with you again. I appreciate you always returning my texts and emails. You got it. No problem. Thanks. All right, go have a good day. Go Irish. We will. That's right. Go Irish. Thank you. That's uh, Steve uh, Berline. This is the Legacy Heaney Air Game Day Show. We'll be right back. Don't tell my heart, my achy-breaky heart. Another Kentucky right there. Achy, breaky heart. <laughs> Legacy Heating and Air Game Day brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Uh, this just in, by the way, Big Noon Kickoff, the Fox pregame show, going to be broadcasting live from South Bend next week for the right. uh, Notre Dame-USC game. Uh, some scores. Oklahoma is uh, leading Texas right now in the Red River rivalry. They're uh, just about done with the third quarter. 27-20 to 20, Oklahoma leading that. Go okay. Uh, Ohio State having a time with uh, with Maryland right now. Uh, 20-17 to 17 as they just entered the fourth quarter of that game. Who's ahead? Uh, Ohio State. Ohio State did go ahead. By three, okay. yeah. Okay. And then uh, Missouri and, uh, and LSU, that's uh, just into the fourth quarter. Missouri leading LSU. Oh, they, Thirty-two to twenty-seven in a uh, real defensive matchup. LSU has no defense. No. So if Brian Kelly loses again, oh my goodness! Gracious. Oh, they're already revolting. I know they are. They are. I hey. just sit back and laugh and laugh. I know. I know. <laughs> hey, we'll be uh, right back to close up the first hour of the Legacy Heat Air Game Day Show on your home for the Fighting Irish Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT. So we we really you didn't get a chance to hear that too much for the lead in, but that was Billy Ray Cyrus doing yeah, Achy Breaky yeah. Heart. Oh, I, I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. That's it. That, I only have, those are the only two songs that I had picked out for that. That song was seared in my head, oh. but was it back in 90, <laughs> 92, yes. 93? It was one of those you, you know. wish you could get it out of exactly, your head. Exactly. Yeah. Stuff too. 
We'll be right back after a short break for the second hour of the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. Joining us will be former Fighting Irish players Trevor Rulin and consensus All-American linebacker Frank Stams. You have a question for those guests? Send us a question to the WSBT Twitter page. Stay right where you are on the home for the Fighting Irish. Football Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome back to the second hour of the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. I'm Tim Growl along with Jim Arizari and Matt Embry producing right here in the WSBT studios. We're so glad you took time out of your day. But the day's going to keep going on and on for Jim, especially long. But we hope for, for all the listeners, we're four and a half hours away from kickoff right here on WSBT. Stay right where you are because immediately following our show at 4 p.m. will be Game Day Sports Beat. That will lead into the network pregame show and the game at 738, maybe somewhere around that. 730. Yep. So, okay. We're well, something like that. Something 738 that if you want to get exact. Yeah. There you go. And your coverage not over after the game because you can join or listen and join uh, your own Jim Arizari and Reggie Brooks for all the reviews, all the stats, and all the interviews on the official Notre Dame postgame show, all on Sports Radio 960 WSBT via the WSBT Radio Sports app, streaming at WSBTRadio.com, and now on Twitch. Hello, people out there. First hour goes fast, man. Yeah, it does. It just just keeps rolling right along. Yep. And stuff. Um, we got another couple great guests for the second hour, and we want you to stay with me. The first guest, and I appreciate uh, immensely the fact that he helped helped me out fill a spot at the last minute, and he's always been a really nice guy, accepting my texts and emails too. And that would be former Notre Dame consensus All American linebacker and an NFL linebacker Frank Stams. Hey, st- hey, Frank. <laughs> That's awfully nice of you to say that, Tim. I'm happy to be on the show. Well, we like to have you every year. You've always got a lot of a lot of great stories. What's gone going on over there? Let's see, Akron, Ohio. Is that where you're at? Oh uh, yeah, home of Era Parsegian, home of uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, a couple other guys that played in the '60s. A guy named Bob Meeker, uh, Jim Merletti. Uh, yeah, Bob uh, Bob Gladio grew up not too far from here. Oh, really? Some of the blasts from the past. Yeah. Who else? Uh, well, remember Tommy Pagnet? He was an Absolutely. assistant on Era's per- uh, staff. All Akron guys. And, and the most famous of them all uh, was a guy that helped me. Re- he recruited me. He was a guy named Ed Nime. Uh, he had a little restaurant here in town. I signed my letter of intent there. And he and Era were... Uh, high school uh, buddies, and uh, his whole restaurant was Notre Dame, and uh, there wasn't a bigger Notre Dame fan than than any <laughs> time. But anyways, so tell tell us a story how, how how that worked out. So you were a successful high school player in Akron. Did you go both ways, or were you uh, just defense? Uh, it, I, I went to St. Vincent St. Mary here in Akron. They were the Fighting Irish. And it used to be the high school I went to until LeBron James came along. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, 
my dad, it was a, it was a school with a lot of tradition. My dad went to school there. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we, we had a good team. You know, we won a state championship my sophomore and junior year. Yeah, and back to back, right? That got, yeah, that got the attention of a lot of schools. And Jerry Faust was the coach at Notre Dame at the time. And uh, he came calling. And uh, I had five visits like so many other guys. And Notre Dame was my first visit. And I'll never forget they sent a guy. I had to come and visit after the basketball game uh, that I had on Friday night. And they took me out to the small little Akron Municipal Airport and put me in uh, a, a small little plane. And I forget the guy's name, but he was a former Navy pilot. Hmm. And and that's that's the only way my parents would let me go because he was so experienced. Because wow. the ceiling was about a, the ceiling was about 150 feet. I I disappeared into the clouds as soon as we took off, wow. and he's flying on instruments. And my parents later said they they kind of crossed their mind that the last time they were ever going to see me. Oh, and wow. uh, I I got to I got to Notre Dame. I had a great visit. There was a running back out of. Uh, of the New York area, Byron Abraham, that was my host. Uh, Byron ended up transferring, going to Syracuse after his first year. But uh, I, the guys that uh, were, you know, I remember uh, Mike Griffin was one of the guys, uh, Tony Ferjanic, Tim Scannell, Dave Butler. Uh, these guys were all my hosts at Notre Dame, and I just had the greatest time. Uh, you know, with those guys that weekend. And I, I knew right then and there. I took the rest of my four visits, but, you know, they all were, you know, none of them could measure up to Notre Dame. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it was just perfect for me. Perfect. So you were a very good basketball and baseball player, too, and your basketball uh, team took the state title also, I believe. Yeah, we won the state championship that year. I told my dad, I, 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 I told the coach, I didn't want to play basketball. Uh, I was going to just focus on football that year. And I can't, I remember coming home at, I was home at four o'clock the day after I made that decision. My dad was talking to my mom on the phone and somehow my name came up and she says, well, why don't you ask him? And I, I'd never been home at four o'clock in my life after school. Cause I always had practice. Right. And my mom and my, she he, she gives me the phone. My dad says, "What are you doing home?" Well, I said, "I told the basketball coach that I, I you know, I wanted to focus on you know uh, football and and these visits." He says, "Get yourself back down there uh, and tell him you've changed your mind." And and I did. And that year we end up winning the the state basketball championship. Worked out it well. Played yeah. down at St. Oh yeah, played down at St. John's Arena. Woody Hayes was down there. He was oh, hosting my my mom and dad because I was still going through the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience for me. I played with a kid that uh, ended up going play at St. V. Ended up playing in the pros. A guy named Jerome Lane went to Pittsburgh and and then played with the Nuggets. If you remember, Dick Vitale made him famous when he smashed the backboards a backboard at Pittsburgh and and Vitale right. yelled, "Send it home, Jerome." Yeah. So did Digger try to get you to play some basketball with his team? I told Digger that I was coming out for the team and maybe my you know junior and senior year make a spot for me. And of course he you know Digger was nice enough to humor me and says, "Come on out, come on out, we'll give you a tryout." 
but I never had. I that was, of course, way out of my league. But uh, I remember Joe Frederick. He was, uh, you know, there when I was there. Got to know Timmy Kempton a little bit. Uh, we had a good time with the basketball players, but a better time with the volleyball players. I'm talking about the lady volleyball players. They were really <laughs> nice. They we always shared the training room with those girls. You shared the training room with them. Yeah, they always got taped at the same time we got uh, taped, and they always were getting ice at the same time we were getting ice after practice. And you always needed so a lot were... of tape and a lot of ice. <laughs> oh my God! I... <laughs> I think I think John Whitmer ordered maybe twenty extra cases that year of tape. <laughs> they were always running out of ice too. Yeah. <laughs> this is the legacy here Heating and Air Game Day Show. We're with Notre Dame National Championship linebacker Frank Stams. So Frank, so you came in, uh, and I, I don't think I finished that thought. Did you play offense and defense? Because I know you were a fullback. Did you play offense and defense I came in high school? In, yeah, I played. I, everybody recruited me as a linebacker. Okay. And Jerry, for some reason, I thought I was going to be the next. I played running back in high school. I mean, I was. Yeah, I was a I was a good running back. Uh, of course, yeah, at six three, two hundred twenty five pounds. I mean, you know, uh, it didn't take much to be a good running back. Uh, but most schools w- recruited me as a linebacker. And and Jerry, I wanted to run the ball in college. I thought I was going to be the next Larry Zonka. And Jerry promised me that he would keep me at fullback and get me to run the ball. Well, that that you know that didn't go so well. Uh, and luckily, how about this one? Luckily, I break my leg. Uh, Holtz's first week of the sp- spring practice, and that, <laughs> I missed the entire next year. And that's when uh, they moved me to linebacker. Uh, I remember I was in the training room, and George Stewart came to me and says, "Hey, what do you want to play? You want to play linebacker, or you want to play uh, tight end?" And I said, "Well, wait, wait, wait a second here. I, what happened to fullback?" He said. Sorry, because that that train's left the station. <laughs> so I said that. Well, then I'll play linebacker. And you know, my first year coach was Barry Alvarez, and and I'll tell you, I What's, just love playing for him. Yeah. Now there's some story about that. I saw some quotes somewhere that Barry Barry Alvarez saved your Notre Dame scholarship. Is that is that true? And if so, what's the story? <laughs> if that's true, what's the story? <laughs> Well, put it this way, you know, it was a high, let's just, I'm just going to say this. It was a highly competitive environment there, and, and, and God bless Lou Holtz. He was trying to put the best uh, uh, team on the field to, to win, and, you know, I wasn't contributing. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, moving to put it this way, there was a spot for me on the defense, and, uh and and that was that was really nice because uh, Alvarez said I'll take the rum dum and uh, <laughs> and uh, he you know I just really really liked playing for for Barry. So you end up in our linebacker now for Notre Dame and and there's the three of you called the three amigos. Um, how about talk yeah. about your talk about those other two amigos that you had work alongside you with you on the field? Yeah. You talk about an eclectic group. Holy smokes! Uh, you know, Wes Pritchett was the in the middle, uh, and, and and Stonebreaker. Uh, what a name! He right? was, what he a name was, for a linebacker. Yeah, <laughs> perfect name. You know, he was what the, you call the will, and 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 I think we ran a four three, 
I was a stand-up outside kind of linebacker, Russian type. And those two, and, and Wes was the run stop between the tackles. And then Mike, you know, that defense, uh, the way I understand it, is designed for the will or Mike Stonebreaker's position to really run free. And Mike was perfect at that. You know, he was a great athlete, had great speed. He had great instincts. Uh, he was attacking. Uh, and he was perfect for that position to fly the ball, fly to the ball. And of course, that's the guy you, you, you want a lot of times coming untouched on a, on a blitz. And Wes was perfect at between the tackles as a run stopper. Nobody hit harder than Wes. And he just come up and crunch those, you know, guys. And, uh, uh, you know, they were trying to block him. And then, uh, it, it was great. We, and we, and we all never took ourselves too seriously. We had a great time. We always had fun with the uh, you, you, the experience, I remember one time I, I was in the huddle and I smell a cigar. I look up and Wes Pritchett had taken with the with the play before fell under the sidelines. Wes Pritchett took Tim Priester's cigar out of what? his mouth and put what? it in his, and, and came back to the huddle and was smoking a cigar in the huddle. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. Coach Fo- Fazio loved that. He just loved that. And uh, you know we were loose as a goose and in, in, in our practices, I felt sorry for those offensive guys because we'd come off the field and I, those offensive guys looked like they'd seen a ghost. Uh, that's how, you know, regimented and, 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 and uh, I, I, I don't want to say, I'll say strict. It was their practice, but it, the offense needed to be that way. Yeah. They had to be a well-oiled machine and, and rep and rep and rep defense. Heck, we were just flying around and trying to get to the ball as fast as we could. And, uh, you know, it was just uh, great chemistry on that uh, 88 team. I don't even know if I should ask this question because I don't know if I want the answer. What did he do on the uh, with that cigar before the next play? Oh, he kept smoking it. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe it. He, did, you know, he wasn't embarrassed at all. And the officials didn't come over? Anybody? It, nobody said anything? No, no, this was at, pra- this was at practice. Oh, at practice. I this thought was, it was actually during a yeah. game. Okay, gotcha. That, no, no, that's good. Okay, no, that's a little better no. context. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, who did no, you <laughs> – I've asked this question for other uh, really good defensive teams because you had to go against a really good offensive Notre Dame team in practice. So who did you find to be the hardest – to tackle on the Irish offense when you were in practice? Oh, well, uh, you know, Timmy Brown, if you're, you know, that mm-hmm. he was next to impossible to tackle. Uh, you just let him go by and let the secondary take care of that, right? Well, I just forced him <laughs> one way so that those guys knew he, he was going to go one way. And, uh, uh, yeah, so there was no tackling him. You, you, I, you would funnel him funnel them to the guys, uh, the other guys. Uh, I'm trying to think, you know, God, they had so many, you know, well, Ricky Waters, mm-hmm. they came in, but Holt, uh, and then, of course, Tony Brooks. Uh, Tony, man, was a hard running back. And, I think people uh, forget about him. He's underrated. People don't talk about him much. Oh, man, Tony was a talent. Um, and, uh, you know, Ricky, of course, he was a talent. Uh, Mark Green was was there too. I don't want to forget Anthony Johnson. Just a, a whole plethora of uh, of uh, if that's the right word, uh, running back, mm-hmm. uh, tough guys to, to to handle. So, when did you guys look at each other and think, you know what, 
maybe this is going to be the season. Did you kind of know right from the beginning you had something special, or did did it take a few games under no. your belt? No, I, anybody on that team tells you that they they thought they knew that was going to happen as lions. <laughs> uh, we had no idea. We going into we we were. I never got a sense. Holtz always had the vision. He always had the vision of being number one, and uh, and we, we, he had to make believers out of us. And uh, you know, but what he did is he had us prepared. He he had us prepared for every game, and then luckily we were able to execute uh, his plan. I mean, that offense executed that uh, veer option. They had the perfect quarterback in, in Tony Rice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got after it on defense. We held in that first game. We don't win the first game. You know, no, none of that. None of it happens. And we were able to keep the score down low. Uh, and, and the offense, you know, you know with, I don't know what, we win by 18-16 or something like that. And who was know. that first opponent? Do you remember who that was? But that first opponent was Michigan on okay. a, uh, Saturday okay. night. Okay. Yeah. So we play Michigan. Then you know. Then we I think we go for Michigan State, Purdue, like we had done for years. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, you know I think well, then we go to Pittsburgh. We might have been losing at halftime. And man, that locker room at halftime was ugly. It was there was a lot of screaming and shouting and and uh, you know we were able to come out on the on the the, the right side of that game. And then, you know, of course, the big showdown was the middle of the year. And, and that's when people, that's when the, the conversation, we start thinking about it, uh, that this could, you know, really, because I think we, we get into the top five. We might have been two after that game. I think UCLA might have been one. And then we went, then the, you know, then we went out all the way to SC. And, uh, uh, and that was a, a heck of a weekend there. We we were uh, one and they were two, and we were the favorite. But when, you know, uh, Brooks and uh, uh, Waters decided to go back early, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> we, we, we became the underdog in that game. I like that. They had and, some say in that going home early, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I love those guys. Don't yeah. get me wrong, I love those guys. Uh, you know, they're just, you know, being them, being themselves yeah. and, uh, and it all worked out. Mark Green was great. Tony had a great game, you know, filling in there and, uh, it was all good. And of course, you know, we thought we, you know, we were confident going into that last game against West Virginia and they weren't, you know, they weren't as the strongest opponent we played that year. And, uh, as a result, we were able to come away with the win. So, um, were you in town a couple weeks ago for the Holtz's Hero uh, re- in the team reunion? Oh, you know it. I saw all the guys. Boy, I can't thank the university uh, and Holtz's Heroes enough uh, for that weekend. That was one of the best weekends I've ever spent at Notre Dame. The weather was perfect. It sure was. Uh, I, Matt Weldy was... Uh, with the the monogram club, uh, and he was the, our point of contact. He did a great job. Uh, Hunter Biven, that's with the university, mm-hmm. uh, I think the athletic department. Right. Reggie Brooks, who runs Holtz's Heroes, mm-hmm. did a great job. And you know, and, and, and they were host to myself. And my son goes to Ohio State, so he met me up there. Ah. And my daughter came down. She, she lives in... Uh, 
Grand Rapids, she came in. We, I'll tell you what, that was a memory for a lifetime. And they honored Stoney. Uh, you know, uh, he, they had a nice reception for us. And I, I thank Swarbrick uh, for hosting. They had a party up in the stadium. I'd never been up in top of those suites. It's nice up there. That's mm-hmm. a nice uh, yeah. Yeah, that was the first time I've ever been there. And, all, you know, all the guys came back, and I'd say, I'd, I saw guys that I thought were dead. How about that? I told the guys. <laughs> what, I, I told hey, Jeff what are you Coons, doing here, buddy? <laughs> what, yeah, yeah, I used the old Mark Twain line. I said, the, the, the rumors of your death have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Jeff Coons came. So, Frank yeah. Stams, give us your thoughts on this year's Irish. I'm assuming you watch every game that you can. Uh yeah, so uh, I, I I think they're they're, they're at the doorstep, um, and uh, you know they competed well against Ohio State. And Ohio State's got some of the best talent uh, in, in the country. Uh, you ask the pro scouts, uh, you know that, and a few other teams. And Notre Dame, Notre Dame's there. You know and what I really liked about them is that they competed, you know, in in the defensive backfield against Ohio State's skill. And uh, that's big. Uh, that's because you know that's the, that's what's usually showing up in the in the playoffs uh, right. every every year is that that type of skill and and that's great. Uh, you know, run game, offensive line was there. Uh, you know, it, it just you got to clean up a few of the mistakes. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a just clean up a few of the mistakes. You know, a game like that, you can't afford to make any mistakes. No, and I, I'd like to see. Yeah. No, I was going to say that I like. I told the guys, you know, Coach Freeman. You know, I loved it when he faked the punt last week, and uh, because you know you gotta you gotta you gotta start getting creative, right? Uh, offensively, and, you know, he comes. He played for Trestle at Ohio State, uh, and 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 you know, a lot of guys take on that. They that that's how they coach. Trestle was very vanilla playing. It came from the Paul Brown philosophy of football. He who makes the fewest mistakes uh, wins the game. And but sometimes you know you gotta you adapt a little bit of Lou Holtz and 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 open it up a little bit. That's exactly and, what Steve uh, Berline was saying on. He was on uh, just before you talking about they need to let Hartman air it out some more. You know they seem like he's got shackles on him right now. He's you know gotta gotta break out a little bit and show some teams some other things. Yeah. Well, Berline only said that because I told him that. <laughs> I told him, yeah, yeah. I, I, I said, you got to climb down out of the trestle tree and start swimming in the Holtz Pond. Yeah. I like You got some good lines. I got I to gotta write some of these. I'm going to have to go back and listen to these and write these into my, uh, into my phone and keep them and stuff, too. Yeah. So, real quickly, we got tell about a minute Berline, or two. Next time, he sees, next time Berline says something intelligent to you, ask him if he heard that from Frank Stamp. You know what I'm going to do? Next time, I'm going to put you both on together. How about that? How about that? That'll be a good I one. I like That'll that. Be a good one. Uh, yeah, real like quickly, that. in about we tried a... to do a. Go ahead. We tried to do a YouTube thing about four or five years ago. We were way ahead of our time. We had a great idea, but neither one of us, you know, we had any follow through. So, ask <laughs> him about that. He'll remember that. Um, just gonna, in about a minute or whatever, um, what's your take on. Um, the linebacking crew we got on there. I love it. What's twenty? I, I know numbers. I don't know names. Twenty-seven. Is that Kaiser? Is he? Bertrand. Is he a linebacker? That's Bertrand. Bertrand. Yeah. 
I think it's 27. Yeah. Oh, man, I love the way he flies around. I was watching him in that Duke. I was watching him in the Duke game, and uh, boy, he just loves to play linebacker, and that's great. Uh, That's great. Big, big guys fly around to the ball. They're physical. They're tough. Uh, I think Notre Dame's got a good defense. They got a good defense. That the defensive line, you know, they. They've just got to – it's going to be all mental. Like tonight, I'm a little worried about that game, you know, being on the road. And, and as you guys know, every, they get every team's best. Sure do. And, uh, and you know, they're, this team is, is tough. I think they're undefeated. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so you know, they 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 got to be ready to play. To me, with Notre Dame, a lot of it is it's, it's just all preparation and it's all going in there with, you know, what holds – always made us believe that we could lose the game. You've got to have your edge every time you show up. Right. Right. Well, we appreciate you taking the, taking the time to join us. It's always great. And uh, I learn something every single time you're on. Uh, you guys are the best. Thank you for having me. Well, Frank, you have, a, you have a great weekend. And tonight, go Irish. All right. Thanks, Tim and Jim. Go Irish. Bye-bye. Hey, we'll be back on Sports Radio 960 WSBT for Trevor Rulin from the offensive line, five-year player. We'll show the show goes so fast. We're just ripping through minute after minute. Got through uh, Oscar McBride and Steve Berline, and now uh, we just finished with Frank Stams. And now we're going to move our concentration from uh, from the defense that Frank was playing. To the offensive line, and nothing better to have someone that recently played the uh, offensive line and uh, played even as a graduate student, had a lot of years and experience at uh, Notre Dame. So let's bring on the show Trevor Rulin. Hey, Trevor, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Happy Football Saturday. How's everybody doing? We're doing, doing well. Yeah, we're doing great, thanks. What, what game have you been watching on TV or games? Oh, so I had a bit of an interesting Saturday. I, uh, one of my good friends actually coaches at my, uh, my high school that I went to, and I haven't seen him in a while, and they were having a hell of a year, so I swung by and watched that game. Nice. So I was actually at a high school game, but uh, I've been keeping track of it all, and um, I just got done watching uh, the Boston College game because uh, my fiance's um, dad is a Boston College grad, so... Okay. I have to watch backup college a little bit. So I remember is Boston College in the future on any schedules that would create some tension in your family? Any? I don't remember seeing them on the schedule for a while. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think they all realize they're pecking order here on the list. <laughs> I think they, they, they realize the they realize the top dog. <laughs> So let's let's start from the kind of the, the, the beginning. You were coming out of uh, Cary, uh, Illinois. Um, how hard was Notre Dame coming after you, and what? Who were they competing with that wanted the rights to you, so to speak? Sure. So, uh, yeah, they. Uh, so it was Coach Heastan, um, who was a hell of a recruiter, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, they're co- competing against the local Midwest schools, the, the Big Ten schools. I really, family is very important to me, so didn't want to leave too far. So schools like Michigan State, Minnesota, uh, Northwestern, Nebraska, Wisconsin, those were all kind of in the mix. And I remember Coach Heastan uh, offered me on like a Thursday after a camp. And then he called me on like Monday and he was like, hey, what's your decision? 
And I was like, oh, okay. So it's a, it's a quick, it's a quick recruiting process. And what? I, I let you sleep on it. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember like, Hey coach, give me the rest of the week. And then it was, uh, <laughs> sitting down with my folks on like a Friday afternoon after class. And it was like, okay, let's weigh the options. And it basically came down to Minnesota and Notre Dame. And, um, you know, I was kind of on the fence of my, my parents pushed me towards uh, the education and the best uh, decision I made. So it worked out really well. To remind people, you were in the uh, coming out of high school in the top 300 of the ESPN 300 list, uh, the Prep Star top 300 list, Tom Lemming's top 300 list. So everybody wanted a little a little piece of uh, Trevor for their uh, offensive line. Who was the uh, student or player, I should say, that – maybe contributed to you liking Notre Dame took you around the campus when you first were, took a trip to Notre Dame? Oh, that is a good question. I don't know if my memory serves me when I was on campus a whole lot, but I remember getting recruited. Uh, and obviously you guys will remember this name and I hope some fans do because he was, uh, he was much better than I was, but I was always compared to and like, Hey, you could have a similar career as uh, Chris Watt. Sure. So I remember going back and watching a lot of Chris's film and obviously he's bumped around the program a bit with coaching and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, being another <clears throat> Chicago suburb kid, kind of maybe a little bit undersized, right. Um, but kind of a nasty interior guy. And that's kind of who I compared myself to and watched film of and kind of, uh, tried to be like a little bit. Who did they recruit you as a tackle or a guard or a center? Uh, I was a tackle in high school, but we ran a triple option beer. So I kind of always knew I'd go inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. No, that was, uh, yeah, that was it. I kind of, uh, I kind of knew I was going to be bumped inside and needed to put on some weight and some size. Cause I was, a, uh, like I said, I was playing tackle in high school, uh, for triple option. So I was a little bit, uh, leaner and, um, knew I had to bulk up to be able to play big-time college football inside. What did you learn playing for Heastan? Like you said, one of the best, if not the best. Uh, what did he want you were at Notre Dame? And he, he he always wanted to form a really tight offensive unit. You guys basically did everything together, right? Eat together. Everything. Go, expound yeah, on that if you can. He, yeah, Coach Heastan uh, taught me everything. And um, obviously he's a fantastic football coach, but um, – yeah, I think the biggest life lessons I, I, I take from them are exactly that life lessons, like learned how to be disciplined, learned how to keep my head level, right? Never too high, never too low. I learned how to prioritize things, um, learned how to kind of uh, block out the BS and just focus on what's important. Um, and he made you grow up so fast. Like you think you're mature in high school, you think you have things figured out. You get to school, you start struggling a little bit in the classroom. You're not seeing time on the field. Um, and he's constantly on you, constantly kind of grinding you down. But then he's the first one to build you back up. And uh, he was great at that. And, you know, it does stink a little bit. And trust me, when he left, I had a great time with Coach Quinn as well. Um, but right when Coach uh, Heastan was leaving, was kind of when um, you guys know his personality too, fiery guy. 
it was kind of when I was on his good side, right? So I had, was starting to play really well uh, and was moving into, I think, one of his more favorite players on the O-line. And then he left for the Bears. I was like, ah, shoot, just when we started to become, uh, <laughs> right. become uh, you know, he respected me more and I respected him more. Um, so that was funny. Um, but we still, I still text him on the holidays and everything. Love him and his family. Um, very thankful for obviously the opportunity that he gave me. So freshman year, uh, played on the, uh, scholarship on the scout team and then played significantly as a sophomore and junior and senior and, and graduate, but that took, took its toll on you. Um, mm-hmm. somewhere I was looking for a step, but I couldn't find anywhere, but I think during your career, you probably had more knee surgeries, I think five or six probably more huh. than ever than ever you were called for illegal procedures in your five years <laughs> you had more knee uh, surgeries. I that's quite I, a stat yeah <laughs> yeah that's uh that is quite a stat i think i don't know if i ever had a false start i know i had two holding calls uh and one was huge we were at duke and Fink, chris Fink had like a 60 yard catch and i was blocking this guy and he tripped over our right tackles uh ankle and I fell on top of him, which is not what you're supposed to do in pass protection. <laughs> so they called a hold on it. And I felt so bad for Chris. I remember the next day I was like, Hey man, I owe you uh like, come on over. And I had like a bottle of wine for him and a pizza. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like Trevor, uh, that, Trevor that's so but, cool. And you know, all my years of talking, I never, I've always wanted to ask, okay, when, when somebody does something like that, obviously you had that play, you, you can't even talk about it at the next play you got to go on because the game's still going on but you yeah. you were bothered by that enough the next day that you actually reached out to chris fink and and uh, had him over for pizza and stuff wow yeah so chris chris and i are very good friends but i i felt terrible because it was his longest career catch <laughs> seriously it was like 60 yards and we were backed up like all on our like five yard line uh and it was not a hold but i felt so bad like Hey, and trust me, guys, it wasn't like I was buying him like a $60 bottle of wine, right? It was a, <laughs> it was a cheap handle from 7-Eleven. Uh, hey, but it and was a, something. And like, yeah, and like a Little Caesars pizza, but I think he appreciated <laughs> it. And uh, we still joke about that. But yeah, I had, uh, had quite a few uh, surgeries and everything, but that's kind of uh, par for the course. And, um, you know, I feel great now. Body feels great. Obviously had really good doctors at school too that that took care of me and treated me well. I knew I was getting into. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game they show with former Notre Dame offensive lineman Trevor Rulin. So um, one of our favorite uh, people and also my doctor and obviously worked with you a lot, Dr. Radigan, right? Yeah. <laughs> you guys yeah, were close Dr. friends Radigan. after all those surgeries. I, I remember when my parents met him at uh, – uh, so when, um, I think it's Connor, right? His son, we barely yes. overlapped. Yep. Uh, I remember, uh, he, so doctor would go like to the parents tailgate. And when my folks got to meet him, they were just like, Oh, you're the best. You're the best. What can we get you? Come on over to our tailgate. We'll feed you. We'll give you drinks and everything like that. Like, um, so yeah, he did a, uh, he did a, the best he could with um, broken parts, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's his that's his skill. That's what he did. That's what he does. And and being that yeah. he had similar type of injuries himself, you know, he, I always say he walked the walk and talked the talk when he knew what you guys were going through. It. 
for sure. Pretty, pretty impressive career, both on and off the field from him, huh? Yes, yes, absolutely agree with that, agree with that. So um, did you ever run through a spell or have a game that you can think of that you had, was it, how many, Jim, was it eight procedure penalties we had last week, false starts? Yeah, it was yeah, eight yeah. or nine. You yeah. probably watched a game, right, Trevor? Yeah, a- absolutely. So uh, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I, uh, I, you know, I played with Mike McGlinchey. I played with Liam Eikenberg. They were kind of known for um, for being a little bit of a uh, jumpy in their twitchy. stances. <laughs> a little twitchy, <laughs> little 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 twitchy. Um, I remember uh, Sam Mustafer is one of my best friends as well. He he loved having snap infractions as well. Um, yeah, I. I think it's a little bit more challenging for a tackle when they got some uh, some speedy guy out there. I think they get a little bit more spooked than when I have a 330-pound kind of uh, space eater in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't blame them too much. But, uh, yeah, it, it is a bit frustrating, and um, it's just it's challenging, and it's kind of like getting the yips. Like, you try to time it up well, mm-hmm. um, but I – Maybe it was because I was a little bit slower mover than everybody. I never really had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's pretty pretty great. You, you can't remember ever even have a procedure, you know, uh, call, and then the, the two holding calls. So, what you, do you remember? What the other holding call was? Uh, yeah, I, I think it was two holding calls. So I'm not sure on that number, but I'm going to go out there and say no false starts. Uh, yeah, the other one was just. Uh, we're running like QB draw against Pittsburgh one day at home, and I, the whole line played bad at that game. Uh, and I held him. He, he beat me. I held him. I didn't want him to hit uh, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're with Trevor Rulin once again. Um, I think was it was it five knee surgeries or was it more than that? Uh, including high school, yes. Okay. So how much uh, did that affect you as far as uh, for the rest of your life or determination? I mean, if you can get through all that and all that pain, I mean, uh, life's pretty easy after that, I would say. Uh, I've lost a few pounds since then. That always makes the body feel a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to. I don't have to go through any more like uh, Matt Bayless workouts. That makes uh, <laughs> makes the body feel a little bit better as well. So, Trevor, hey. give us uh, give Sorry, us your thoughts. Let's go ahead. Uh, what was that? Sorry. No. Um, give give us your um, your thoughts on what you feel about this NIL business nowadays. Uh, I think it's super interesting. I honestly don't know a whole lot about it. I really had a chance to talk to any guys about it uh, a whole lot. And I think it's great. I love seeing like the pictures of uh, the offensive line at like Mission Barbecue and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I was I was you know reflecting back on it, joking around. Like I think I probably could have had an NIL deal from uh, from CJ's Pub downtown. You know, you, I think uh, Trevor. I think people would have known me for Trevor, that. Trevor, what did I just write down there? CJ's. I was just writing down before you even said it. <clears throat> I was going to ask you one of my favorite questions is if you had a place in town that you would like to get the free food or be their sponsor and CJ's was the one that I just that I wrote down before you said I that. I think many I think many offensive linemen uh is, from my time would have said that and probably still currently. Uh but there there was also this place uh guys on 
on Eddie Street, and I know it's not there anymore, but it was Barbici. Oh yeah, they clo- yeah they clo- you're right. They closed it down. I don't know why they did. But, I know yeah. it's such a shame. It was they get, would give us huge portions of food, and like obviously we were all trying to keep weight on that. I must have spent a, a pretty penny there. I uh, <laughs> that would have been the the other one that uh, you saw me a, a lot at. How about wings? Anybody wings, etc. Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, I'm honestly not the biggest wing guy. Uh, the the Studebagels there right next to campus was a was a good one. I always liked that Fridays before we had to go in and do like walkthroughs and stuff. I'd always go there. Um, uh, pizza night was always uh, Little Caesars for me because it was cheap, and I'd just grab a couple of them. Um, not so a couple pieces, a couple pizzas, right? <laughs> yeah, a couple pizzas. Yeah, I would get like the pizza, and then you get like the cheesy bread or the crazy bread. Oh, they yeah. Call them. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's good well. stuff. That's good stuff. Very gluttonous, but good stuff. Had to keep weight on. Yeah, yeah. Ju- <laughs> we could justify it that exactly. way. That's why I needed two Little Caesars pizzas, was, uh, so I could play well the next day. Right. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Notre Dame rivalry all the years that you played, or or a, a favorite a favorite uh, game that you beat somebody that you just man, you had that taste in your mouth that you've been you've been wanting to beat them? Anything come to your mind? Uh, um, yeah, when we went on the road and beat Virginia Tech, that was really cool, and the stadium was totally empty, but our little section up in the second row, that was my favorite win. But uh, you know, selfishly, my favorite game and. We, we got our butts kicked, but when we went up to Michigan, it was really special to me. My uh, my father played for the University of Iowa, and I always remember growing up watching him play. And he his best game was up at Michigan, um, and they also lost, believe it or not. Uh, but I remember growing up watching that game and watching his highlights there. And then uh, when we went up there, that was probably my best career game was at Michigan, even though we got our butts kicked. So. It was pretty cool after the game, me and him having a moment being like, hey, man, I sat in your shoes. We team lost, but we both played wow. our butts off. So Was he an offensive cool. lineman also? He was a defensive lineman. Oh, okay. Okay. So you guys ever have any spirited uh, discussions about defensive lineman, offensive lineman? <laughs> uh, absolutely we did. He, I always joke around saying if he was any smarter, he'd play offensive line. And then <laughs> That went over well. Goes over well. <laughs> he, he throws it back in my face and says, "If I was any more athletic, I would play defensive line." Jeez. <laughs> oh, well, that had to be cool having some bonding moments uh, like that, and and you going to to uh, games. Where where did you? Um, so when you were your dad was playing and stuff, what um, what city were you living in? Uh, I've I've always lived here. Okay. In uh, Cary, Illinois. Yeah. Once a homer, always a homer, um, right? Yeah, so I've bumped around a little bit since uh, since graduating, but I'm back in the Chicagoland area, um, and it's good. It's where family is. That's what's important to me, like I expressed earlier. So uh, very, very happy. Let's finish on a good, a funny note here or whatever. So mm-hmm. on the teams you played for, who was the best smack talker? Oh, gosh. Uh you know, I would have to go, like, when I was younger in my career, the Aquaras are some of the nicest people, Romeo and Julian, mm-hmm. but they're also 
so mean to you. <laughs> and they were, they were, they're so good with their hands. It was unbelievable. And, uh, Julian's a good friend of mine, but he, uh, he always knew how to beat me and then make sure I knew about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who was they, the- they were, uh, they were, they were good. They were good smack talkers. Um, Oh gosh, I'm trying to think of some, some, some other guys as well, but they were, uh, they were good smack talkers for sure. Just the, they had the same personality and they were both very special players. Who was the team comedian? Uh, if it wasn't me, it would probably be, uh, Chris Fink. Oh, <laughs> or here's a, here's a, uh, if you guys remember this name, Lincoln Feist, he was a walk on my age. I do not. Uh, big fella from, uh, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he kept it light. He was, uh, he was a joy <laughs> to be around as well. Well, cool. Cool. A lot of memories that'll stay with you the whole rest of your life, right? Absolutely. Loved, uh, I'm not going to say I loved every second, but I loved most of the seconds. So I haven't asked anybody today because a lot of people don't want to give scores anymore. If you're a score guy, do you I want to make a prediction for tonight? Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring. Um, hopefully we sit on the rock a little bit and uh, run behind that big offensive line. Um, so, sure, I'll go. Uh, let's go. Here, I'll ask my fiance. She's sitting next to me, and she loves football, if you could tell. Score prediction tonight. I mean, yeah, we're predicted to win. What do you got? Come on, hurry. 27. 27-20 Irish. All said. right. Okay. All right. I like that. That's, that's right. Bad. That's that's a fair score. All right. Well, Trevor Rulon, you take care of yourself, and uh, uh, you and your fiance root the Irish to a victory tonight. Absolutely. Go Irish. Appreciate it, fellas. Uh, enjoy the game, and hopefully um, – Hopefully we're enjoying it in the fourth quarter and not biting our fingernails off. Right? That, right. that would be a nice relief for everybody. Yeah. Appreciate that. Go Irish. Absolutely. Go Irish. We'll be back on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show on your... Legacy Heating and Air Game Day brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Uh, ask, ask how... Uh, let's see. You can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Scores going on right now. In the uh, second quarter, Washington State and UCLA. UCLA leading that 6-3. to three. Uh, Florida State 8, Virginia Tech nothing right now in the first Ooh. quarter. Uh, no score between Alabama and Texas A&M. North Carolina leads Syracuse 3-0 in the first. And uh, some finals uh, from top 25 earlier today. Oklahoma beating Texas 34-30 just now. Uh, Ohio State pulled away from Maryland 37-17. And LSU beat Missouri 49-39. All right. Thank you again for another great show, Jim. Matt, good job. Please make plans to join us next Saturday when we broadcast 2 to 4 p.m. back outside from the center of the beautiful Eddy Street Commons right across from Five Guys. Indy takes on the Trojans of USC. Scheduled guests include the great Notre Dame receiver Michael Floyd and players from the 1973 Notre Dame National Championship team. For Jim Arizari, this is Tim Growl. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show on your home for Fighting Irish Football, Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Light them up, Matt.
This has been Legacy Heating and Air Game Day. Only on the home of Notre Dame football. Sports Radio 960 WSBT and WSBTRadio.com. Presented by Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. First State Bank, committed to being a premier financial partner with hometown values. Martin Supermarkets, count on us. Gate Chevrolet in South Bend and Gate Chevy World in Mishawaka. Two locations, twice as many Chevrolets, one great name, Gates. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Tim Grau State Farm Insurance. For surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget, call Tim at 232-9981. Centier Bank. Discover a better way to save with Centier Bank. Weaver Heating and Cooling. They install the best and replace the rest. Pet Refuge. Adopt, don't shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. Sherwood Tire. U.S. Highway 30 in Plymouth. Your one-stop for complete auto care for over 50 years. Floor Coverings International. We bring the floor store to your door. And Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 